0: Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a lift off. Thirty-two minutes past the hour. Lift off on Apollo 11, Tower clear.
1: This is the kickoff to our season six of the Space 3D podcast. We were honored to speak with Travis Thompson recently and that interview will span the next several episode installments. Travis Thompson was the former space shuttle closeout lead at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Travis and his team assisted astronauts into the launch vehicle and were the last humans to physically be in contact with the crew prior to launch. Travis has plenty of stories to tell and we're excited to bring them to you. In part one of our interview, we'll get acquainted with Travis, starting with how he wound up working for NASA and how he eventually assumed his primary position as launch pad closeout lead. Please kindly note that we recorded our interview with Travis via phone, so the audio quality is not pristine. However, we have done our best to clean it up so we appreciate your indulgence when listening. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, This is Eleanor Rangers and my co-host, Tom Hill, and we are kicking off our next season. I believe this is our sixth season of the Space 3D podcast, and we are delighted today to be joined by Travis Thompson. And we're going to learn some very interesting things about his work on the space shuttle. So we're going to go ahead and turn things over to Travis for a moment to introduce himself. So, Travis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Maybe start with where, where you grew up and your background and kind of leading to how you ended up working for the space program. I was born on Vandenberg
0: Air Force Base, grew up there. My dad was a chief master sergeant. My mom worked for McDonald's. Aircraft Around '66. my dad retired. We moved to Cocoa Beach, Florida. My mom transferred, and it's now McDonald Douglas. I remember the gentleman living across the street was in the uh, firing room on console on uh, Hall of One, And uh, he was devastated. I remember the whole community upset. He ended up losing everything. It affected him bad. So, you know, these are real experiences of real things that happened. And I just, in the 11th grade, I needed half a credit to graduate. My football coach told me to go to summer school, so I did. And I skipped. 12th grade, I went to Bavard Community College and I took machine shop and blueprint. And then after that, I got a job at the Union Carbide, Hydrogenics, liquid oxygen. I put in an argon system. I was 19 years old. And uh, 79, I did Rockwell retiring. There's this thing called the Space Shuttle. Like I said, I saw my first Apollo launches. I climbed a tree to watch them. It just it was in my blood. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, space truck. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> so I hire in was 352 there's 352 of us, and two of us went to what's called spacecraft. The other 350 went to tile on the tiles on the ship. Yeah. So the reason I was chosen because I had the cryogenics background and I had uh, blueprint reading, and I was with my hands. And the other gentleman was a retired Marine that worked for avionics, like fishing. So the two of us went to what was called spacecraft. I was assigned to the forward shop, and I was what's called a vehicle test mechanic. $6.11 an hour, <laughs> you know, had to go to Sears. My dad loaned me $500, buy a brand-new Rollaway full of tools, and I put it right at the nose of my new girlfriend, and Columbia just shot there. You know, every time I open my toolbox, I looked up, and there is a spaceship. Wow. So, that's how it pretty much started. I got in the Ford, and there was a lot of Apollo, you know, guys, and I followed them around like a puppy dog at first. I listened to, I did a lot of listening and very little talking. I made their coffee. I, I they called me their dog. I, you know, barked and hunted and did whatever they wanted, you know, <laughs> and uh, that's that's a good way to learn. Plus... I don't know, it gave me an insight. You know, I would be in the corner while they played cards at lunch. So I listened to all of it.
1: So in many ways, you were in the right place at the right time.
0: Yep. I only, I started May 21st, 79. The bird got there, I'm thinking the 27th of March. So I only missed five or six weeks there, you know, and uh, I stayed till uh, the 13th. 2013, the last two years, I helped Boeing write the emergency egress procedure and stuff for the Orion County. Wow. So I had the full thing. I started out as a mechanic. I remember after two weeks listening, my, my supervisor was from Palmville. We had a lot of people from Palmville, you know, come with the bird TDY. Okay. I was also the... Youngest spacecraft technician hired some the Apollo. Wow. I
1: thought,
0: I thought that was kind of cool. So first few years, I just learned, you know, as much as I could. And I remember the two weeks sitting there and, and the manager from California said, you know, I'd ask, I'd bug the crap out of him. And he, he said, you know what, Travis, he said in five years you're gonna be sitting here in charge. And darn it if he wasn't right.
1: <laughs>
0: it was destined to me, you know, but God what a job. I you get to work on a spaceship, you know, how cool is that I know.
1: Not many not many people can ha- can say that and can brag about that, so
0: you know, crawling in and out. My first very first job I followed my butt my old God, he was sixty-something. You know, he worked at Apollo, and uh, he came from Columbus. They bucked buckets of rivets all day long. This guy knew everything. You know, and that's how I learned following people like that. And my first job was—he uh, had just installed what's called a high lock. It's a fastener that you can tighten with a wrench, like a socket, but. It'll snap off at thirty-two ounces of pork. so then it's permanently installed. And my first job was painting them white, <laughs> so I went from that to get in charge of putting the astronauts in on launch No, I just just chuckling. That's amazing. I mean, I, I had a friend who worked in the computer business before going to school with him, as he was catching up on his bachelor's because he never had to, he never had to get a bachelor's degree when he started out. Right. Uh, and, you know, just, he, he was involved in the RAID standard where they would stripe disks to store more data. And just, the you know, people were citing his work and, you know, just, it just worked out for him. That's great. Right, yeah. Well, I had uh, several opportunities over the years to go higher, but there's a certain point, in management, that once you accept that level, then you're no longer allowed to touch the book. So I was like, no, nah, no, thank you. I'll be right here. Mm. <laughs> so I had to, you know, I just couldn't give that up. You know, I was second in charge of the closeout crew for many years. And then uh, one time we were in Houston training and my boss says. That Hey, everybody, we're sitting around the pool. And he says, Hey, everybody, I'm letting you know. I'm retiring, and the showers have taken over. And he poured at me and shot a shot of wild turkey, and he says, You want any water in that? And I was like, My dad said they put that in at the factory. And he walks over <laughs> to the pool, and he dips, just barely dips it in, so a little pool water got in the glass. And he hands it to me, and I drank it, and that's how I took over the up.
1: Oh my God. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how did you work your way up? We had no excuse to
0: yearly to train. We were not allowed to train in the vehicle You know, the closeout crew is also a rescue team, first responders. So we had to do emergency egress training. We had to all be certified for it. I ended up being the trainer and the certifier. So we'd go to Houston. I would go twice a year, and um, I would also go to Houston to train astronaut sport personnel. And the Closeout Crew, should I explain a little of what it is?
1: That would be great, yeah.
0: Okay, the, uh, there's nothing, I've told this over many times, there's nothing special about Closeout Crew. There are thousands of people out there that have thousands of jobs to do. Close up group happens to be the last hands on job on the ship before it flies. So, close up group consists of forward technicians, originally three, and then uh, an ash astronaut support person is a number two. Uh, number one is someone runs the forward shop like me. Number two would be an astronaut, a an NAS. And number three would be a suit technician from JSC that works for me temporarily while we're here. Four and five are my hashtags from the shop. Six is a NASA technician. And seven is last insertion cut from JSC. So we're comprised of a team. It takes several certifications to uh, do this on launch day. Well, you know, the astronauts go into quarantine two weeks before, so you got to have a close contact physical, many shots. <laughs> so the closeout crew's job was to get there an hour before the close up of the astronauts, and uh, we would do the final con- final top configuration, which my asked because on launch day, see the only person allowed to flip switches has to be an astronaut, and that is why I had astronauts working for well, I me mean, on the close up. Up until launch day, my guys from my shop, were called SCOs, spacecraft operators, and they could go up and flip switches all day long. But launch day, the bird belongs to NASA, only an astronaut can flip switches, so therefore that's why I have a number two. But we would get an hour before do the final stuff. You know, because sometimes different crews require different configurations. And I only get 50 minutes, five zero, to put the whole flight crew in. I get 10 minutes to close the hatch, pressurize the cabin. I get about 45 minutes from hatch closure to the time I have to have the white room secured for launch. My saying was I like to get off the pad before main engine starts. <laughs> That's kind of in a nutshell, and we're also, like I said, a rescue team. So the way I trained, I had a training session at the pad. I had to have it once a year with no bird at the pad because I'm going to flow fire acts. I'm going to flow water. And I want my whole team to see what it's like to be in the fire. I don't want to shock. An emergency. Had to wait for a bird, which takes a lot of scheduling. You know, plus you try and get six astronauts in the same spot for three days. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my wife, I'd be at Walmart or Lowe's, Home Depot, with my son would and, and be an astronaut. She don't they don't they know that you're not at work? I said, honey, astronaut. And i just walk away. <laughs> when we are young, you know, you become what's called a C-square. You know what that is, right? Cape Crusader. <laughs> yeah. That's an astronaut that's probably a very new astronaut, has not flown yet. And he's assigned to the Cape, to me, uh, as a C-square came through Satan, and uh, we called them ash. asked, well, actually, what I call them is blue suitors. If I need one, I need a blue suitor, because they wear the blue gel. So I say I need a blue suitor, and I'd call them get me one. These young ass would come to me, male or female, but the first thing when they get to my pad was, uh, hey. There's a rubber room, and I'd be like, uh, okay, I'd call safety. And the first couple of times, you know, who showed me the rubber room and everything underneath the pad? No. Gunter Van, he showed all of it to me. That's why I got him so close and, and to know so many. Yeah. So several of them, the you know, in white suit. And then the next time they're in orange. So yeah, that was very comfortable. Plus, it's not that not that we as closeout crew would do anything different or special, but it's this is one of ours going up today. And that's that's pretty
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that it's probably a bit of a comfort to the astronaut as well to see familiar faces in the closeout room.
0: I I know for a fact just because I've been pretty much told so. So plus, you know, we break into a smile when they walk out of the elevator. You know, the last time we saw them was in training or a meeting or some, you know, but now it's launch day. Come out of the elevator. We're, we're just as joyed as they are. You know, so I called the white room my office. <laughs> So I tell them, welcome to my office.
1: Good morning. <laughs> did any now I know that you know the astronauts never want to you know admit you know certain things because they don't want to be taken off of active flight status, but did any any of them maybe when they were training ever admit, hey, I'm pretty nervous about you know how dangerous this is <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know. I'll say this, they've had two years of training, they've pretty much had all the time that they needed for those mortality type thoughts, Yeah. but I know nervous when I see it, and yes, there's been moment. you know, I've had one just stood at the house just a little too long. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but everything was fine. They'd already been given a go. And I just kind of, I probably put a knee to them a little bit. (laughs) That's a unique experience for us also to be able to share what they're going through. They're, yeah, excited. I've seen some just so damn focused that, uh, you know, you didn't want to bother. You know, you, didn't, you just did what you needed to do. Some were chatty. Yeah, you know, it it's different. But, you know, when it narrows down to it, some were astronauts and some weren't.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Space 3D. We'll continue our discussion with Travis Thompson on our next podcast. And we'll start to hear... About some of his more colorful stories about his time as pad closeout lead. On behalf of my co hosts, Emily Carney and Tom Hill, this is Eleanor Rangers for Space 3D.